Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I'm at the gym. Talking to a friend of mine, we happened to run into each other at the gym. I don't know about you, but I've been growing and learning from the book of Romans. Somebody say amen. amen. So we get to chapter 9, 10, and 11. And of course you know chapter 9, 10, and 11 is about the nation of Israel. Well, we get to chapter 11 and we slow down tremendously. The week before last, we covered one verse. Actually, technically, it was a half a verse. And we were talking about just the Lord and Romans, and we were talking about, and I was sharing with him that the book of Romans, particularly, are you listening, chapters 9, 10, and 11, is heavy listening. It's heavy listening. We went on to say that Particularly, chapter 11 is pretty dense. And that's kind of why we've slowed down in chapter 11, because it really is dense. Here in chapter 11, if you've been with us, you know we've been talking about God's plan for the nation of Israel. God has a plan always. What, two people agree with that? I'm going to say that again. Y'all didn't hear me over here. God has a plan always. And particularly, specifically, God has a plan for the nation of Israel. And when you understand, are you listening? God's plan for the nation of Israel. Everything else biblically makes sense. When you understand God's plan for his people, the Bible makes sense. Listen at this story. It's about a dad who came home from a hard day's work and he didn't want to do anything but lay on the couch and veg out and read the newspaper. But this dad had a young son and when the son saw that dad was home, he thought it was time to play. He didn't want dad read the newspaper. He wanted some quality time and some attention. So he began to bug his dad saying, dad, come on, dad. I want to play. Come on, let's go have some fun. Let's go. And dad said, I tell you what. Dad took the newspaper, which had a picture of the world's globe on it, and he cut it up in little pieces. And dad said, here, when you put this puzzle together, when you're finished, I'll play with you. Well, dad thought this would take the boy at least a couple hours. In five minutes, the boy was done with the puzzle. 
And dad said, well, how did you do it so quickly? And he said, dad, on the back of the newspaper globe was a picture of a man's face. And I know a man's face pretty good. So when I put the face of the man together, once the man was together, the whole world was together. Isn't that true of Jesus? Once you understand and see the face of Jesus, I don't know about for you, but for me, the whole world seemed to make a whole lot more sense. Uh, Somebody wave at me and say, man, would you? The whole world seemed to make a little bit more sense. But not only is that, listen, I submit to you, not only is that important and true of Jesus, but it's also true as it relates to the nation of Israel. Once you understand the nation of Israel and God's plan for Israel, you can see God's plan for the rest of the world come together as well. And conversely, listen, if you don't understand God's plan for Israel throughout the Bible, you're going to have a tough time understanding the scriptures. And so if you've been with us, we've been talking about Remember, last couple of weeks, I titled my sermon, the first one in chapter 11, God, the Jew, and you. The next week, we titled the sermon, God, the Jew, and you, what? Part two. Wasn't that clever and creative sermon titling? And of course, this week, we're still in chapter 11. We'll title this sermon, God, the Jew, and you, part two. Guys are so smart. It's amazing. Look at Romans chapter 11, and we pick up today in verse 11. If you're looking at it, say amen. amen. I say then, Paul says, have they stumbled that they should fall? What does it say, saints? Certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to who? The Gentile. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? Well, I speak to you Gentiles, and as much as I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. I'm not ashamed of my ministry. For if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh, my brothers, my Jewish brothers, Paul says, and save some of them. For if their being cast away in verse 15 is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Now in verse 16, we won't get to it today, but we got to read it. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off and you, Mr. Gentile, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, don't you boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. And you will say that in verse 19, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in arrogantly. Well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And you, Mr. Gentile, you stand by faith. So do not be what? Haughty, but fear. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Remember I told you in weeks past 
Paul method, form of argument is to ask a question and then to answer it. He would ask a question and then he would answer the question that he asked. Here Paul asked the question, has Israel stumbled, fallen away, that they should fall completely or forever? Now, unfortunately, in past teachings, you get the CDs. There are people, we've talked about this, who would tell you that Israel has fallen completely. That God is through with the Jew. Listen, that's not true. Y'all ain't know I was a rapper, did you? Y'all like, stick to the day job, pastor. Stick to the day job. Some people would tell you God is through with Israel, and they will tell you that because God is through with Israel, that the church now possesses all the promises that God had given to Israel, that they are now belong to the church, they say. And because they hold that position, there's so much weird teaching and heresy in the church today. And so us Gentile folk, us Christian folk, us church folk, we reach back in the Old Testament and God said, I'm going to give you the land. And we say, there it is. The scripture says that God's going to give you all the land. And we twist scripture. It all comes out of this idea. Are you listening? That God is through with the Jew. And because God is through with the Jew, some say that the Jew has stumbled so far so completely God's done with them. Now all the promises to the Jews goes to the church. But now they forget about the cursings that also came to the Jewish people. I don't hear anybody saying, well, look, all the curses that were for the Jews are for the church. Y'all must not heard me. (laughs) No, you don't. Very interesting. Paul says, this could not be more clear. Has the Jew stumbled to the point where they have fallen completely? Verse 11 clearly tells us the answer. Somebody look at it and tell me what it says. Thank you. Certainly not, Paul says. Listen, we need to understand that although God, are you listening, has rejected Israel temporarily there's a blindness that is over their eyes temporarily listen god did not reject them completely and thoroughly when israel rejected god god judged them but he did not reject them and the reason he didn't reject them because he had a purpose for them and god's purpose for them is a purpose that is redemptive in nature What do you mean, Rodney? Well, the word redemptive speaks to the fact that God was seeking to redeem them. God had a purpose. Don't you know, in God's judgment, God always has a purpose. Don't you know, get this. In God's judgment, God is always seeking to bless you even when he is having to bring judgment on you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You see, our judgment is more like I'm judging you and I'm trying to blast you. 
God says, I'm judging you. I'm not trying to blast you. I'm trying to bless you. Why would God's heart be any different toward his children than your heart is toward your children? You know, when you have to spank your kids, I call it applying the board of correction to the seat of knowledge. Let me hear amen from the parents. Hallelujah. I will apply the board. That's what it's for. You don't do it because you're like, I can't wait to tear him up. I'm going to tear him up. Although as a child, you do feel like that. (laughs) But you don't do it with their heart parents, do you? You do it because even in your judgment, you're trying to help them. And God is the same way. God's judgment of the Jew is redemptive in that he has opened the door, listen, of salvation to the Gentile. God was hoping, are you listening, that salvation of the Gentiles would provoke the Jews to jealousy. God was hoping the Jew would look to the Gentiles. See, the Jew rejected God, rejected Christ. Salvation has gone down to the Gentile. Now whosoever will let them come. God was hoping by bringing salvation to the Gentiles, which by the way, the Jews hated the Gentiles. The Jews thought that Gentiles were created for fodder for the flames of hell. So Jews hated Gentiles. God saved the Jews, opened the door of salvation for the Jew, for the Gentile, pardon me, that the Jew would look at the Gentile and be jealous of what they have. God wanted the Jew to look at the Gentile and say, wow, look how blessed they are. Look how much joy they have. Look how much peace they have. Look how much love they have. Look how, look how the Messiah, the God, is taking care of them. God was using the Gentile to provoke the Jew to jealousy. And saints, listen, God wants to use us Christian folks to provoke the world to jealousy. Did you know? Don't you know? When the world sees how you handle life, they should look at you and say, I don't know how they did it. How they do it. And your life should draw the world to want to know how is it that you're getting by? How is it that you have sickness and sorrow and sadness and yet you hold your head up and you go to church and you praise God and somehow you you keep the joy of the Lord in your life? How is it that you do that? How is it that you go through the same things I go through because we're in the world but not of the world? You can't escape the world's problems. How is it that you, Mr. Christian, go through the same thing that I go through, but yet you go through it differently than I do? Your life should be attractive to the non-believer. They should look at your life and say, wow, there's something different about you. How is it that you are enjoying your life? You know, God, the Bible says Jesus came to give life. Are y'all listening? Jesus came to give life and what? That more abundantly. God came to give you life. Christians should be the one who are really living life. You know, that's why it's important how you represent Jesus. Listen, how you represent Jesus is so important. You know what? I try to keep a smile on my face. I don't care what's going on. Y'all have no idea what I've been through in 12 years in this church. 
and you'll never know. Because you know what? My hope is in the Lord. I keep looking up and keep a smile on my face because I realize people are watching me as I go through life. The world is watching me and the joy of the Lord is my strength. I completely believe that Christians should be some of the funnest. Is that a word? (laughs) People on the earth. Christians should be the ones having fun. Somebody say amen. Amen. I had somebody say to me, I didn't know they came last night. First time they said, I didn't know Christians could like enjoy themselves. I was like, duh. Well, I didn't know Christians, they could have a party. And I'm like, look, Christians know how to have a party the right way. Cause, cause we don't, we don't, we're not getting drunk and doing drugs and all of these kinds of things. We don't wake up in the morning with a hangover. Oh, y'all in church. I forgot. Okay. I, my bad. I'm sorry. Oh, we don't know. No, Christians. We... But that's the BC days. I call that before Christ. Oh, fine. Okay, fine. But we had a wonderful time in the Lord. And the world needs to see your life and be provoked to know how is it that you do it then you have an opportunity to give glory to God, to say, listen, it's not me, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory that gives me the ability to do what I do and to keep my head up and not let the world's pressure hold me down. Don't you get it? That's why you need to keep a smile on your face. Some Christians, they look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. (laughs) Isn't that true? Pastor, is that true? <laughs> okay, bye. It's very true, and it's like they look so negative. Christians should be positive, not negative. And let God use your life to draw other people in. That's exactly what God did with the Gentiles. He saved the Gentiles to cause the Jew to be jealous. Paul says God is using the Gentiles to provoke the Jew to jealousy. And then in verse 14, go ahead and look at it in your Bibles. Paul says, that's my ministry. I have the ministry of jealousy. That's interesting. Paul says, I'm hoping that my people will see the blessings of the Gentiles and they will want to have what they have. So the question, is God through with the Jew? We've been answering that. Of course not. And the reason that we know that God is not through with the Jew, because right here in these verses, saints, listen, Paul is talking about a future plan for Israel. If God were through with the Jew, he wouldn't spend time making them jealous. This is not hard. So the Gentiles have been saved through the fall and the failure of the Jew. And when Israel failed... By rejecting Jesus as their Messiah, get this, they forfeited some incredible blessings and riches. You know, I think of Jesus as he stood on the Mount of Olives and he was overlooking Jerusalem. You know the story. And Jesus began to weep and prophesy. And it was there in Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44, as Jesus prophesied over Jerusalem and from a sad and broken heart. Jesus said, if you had known, even you, especially in this day, the things that make for your peace, 
but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side. And they're going to level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you, saints, get this, one stone upon another. Why? Somebody read it with me. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. Here, listen, get the scene. Jesus stood on the mountain and he's overlooking the city of Jerusalem. You go with us in 2008, you'll see it's gorgeous. It's amazing view. And as he stood on that mountain, he began to prophesy in the spirit. Jesus could see the future. And Jesus could see just, I don't know, 30 plus years later, A.D. 70, as the Roman general Titus comes marching through Jerusalem and he's setting the temple on fire. And Jesus could see the Roman soldiers taking every stone down because if you've been with us on Wednesday night, you know that the temple was filled with gold. And when Titus set the temple on fire, all of the gold melted within the temple and it began to melt between the cracks of the stones. And just like Jesus said, Roman, the Roman soldiers and Titus came in and they took down the temple. This was the last sighting of the temple. Now they're waiting for a third one. Those soldiers took the, took the temple down one stone after another to scrape the goal, to take it, and to make Rome wealthy. Very interesting, just like Jesus said. And many were killed. And Jerusalem was leveled in A.D. 70, all because, listen, of their rejection and their unbelief. And it was that day in A.D. 70, not only did Israel lose the temple, but they lost many, many other riches. Like what, Rodney? Of course, the temple. And then they lost their families, they lost land, and they lost eternal life because they rejected Jesus as Messiah. So now, because they have eject, rejected Jesus as Messiah, God has opened the door to salvation to the Gentiles. And now the Bible says, whosoever will, let them call upon the name of the Lord. And so Paul says, listen, if the nations of the world have received the blessings, are y'all listening? Have received the blessings, they've received the gospel of Jesus through the turning away of the Jew. Just imagine what the benefits of the world will be in that day that Israel is restored. And the promises of God are fulfilled and the Messiah comes. Well, look at verse 15 in your Bibles. If they're being cast away, go ahead and look at verse 15. If they're being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? That's talking about, listen, the resurrection. Life from the dead should automatically, listen, remind you of Ezekiel chapter 37. In Ezekiel chapter 37, we have the vision of, of the dry bones. The vision of the dry bones is a reference to the nation of Israel. Ezekiel says, I was walking in the valley and I heard God say, he said, these dry bones shall live. And Ezekiel began to argue back and forth with God. And finally he says, okay, God, whatever you say, you know. And God told Ezekiel to prophesy to those bones. And then God said, I will breathe and they shall live. God said, I'm going to put ligaments on those bones. Are you listening? I'm going to put flesh on those bones. 
And I'm going to put skin on those bones and then I'm going to breathe my spirit into those bones and they shall live. Life from the dead. God says, I'm going to breathe my spirit into the nation of Israel and I'm going to bring them back to life again. And then they will know that I am God. And it's around that same time, listen, I'm just trying to help you with the prophetic calendar. It's around that same time that Zechariah tells us that God is going to peel the blindness. See, blindness has happened to Israel in part. God is going to peel the blinders from their eyes and they're going to see. God's going to breathe life into them and they will see the Messiah And all of a sudden, it's going to occur to them, and they're going to look at him, and they're going to say, where did you get those wounds? Talking about the wounds in his hand. Where did you get those wounds? And he's going to say, I received these wounds in the house of my friends. Their eyes are going to be open, and they're going to know that he is God. Ezekiel 37 is a prophecy that God is going to raise them up on the last days and they are going to repopulate life from the dead. Now listen to me quickly. My next comments, I want to say, are my strong opinion. And if you disagree, are you listening? If you disagree, it doesn't make you a heretic. It just means you're wrong. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.